All right. Well, I'm going to warn you before I get started that I don't have my Bible, but all the scriptures are here. So if you brought your Bible, you can follow along with me. Um, If my translation doesn't match up exactly with what you're reading, it's probably because I'm reading out of the ESV translation or the Message Bible. But I will tell you when I read out of the Message Bible. How many of you are familiar with those? I like them, and the word's the word, and the translation is just as good, so you just follow along with me, amen? Amen. Well, the title of our series that we are beginning is called God's Way. I'm gonna tell you where that comes from. It comes from a verse in Isaiah. It's Isaiah 55, eight. It says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. How many of you want to learn how to think the kind of thoughts that our Heavenly Father thinks? Amen? How many of you want to learn to live the way that God lives and the way He designed us to live? Amen? So as we walk through this series over the next several weeks, we're going to take a look and examine the nature of our God. Why? We're going to begin to try to understand the way God thinks and the way he does things. Why is this so important? Because to understand God's nature is to understand your nature. To understand God's nature, the way he thinks and does things, is to understand the nature that you were created with, amen? The nature and the way that God designed you to think and act. Remember, you were created in the image and the likeness of God. So when we become a child of the king, when we accept him into our life, we become one with him. Now we were designed with his nature, but when we accept him into our life, we then gain access to the ability to tap into his nature, to begin to operate in his nature. Remember, I touched on this this weekend. Jesus is in us. When we accept him, he is in us and we are in him. He is in us and we are in him. What does that mean? It means that we have unrestricted and full access to the nature of our maker. How powerful is that simple thought? You see, you were not created without these things. Inside of you is everything that you need to be able to think like God and to act like God, to be, in, to be able to have his thoughts and to be able to act and function in life the way he does, amen? So all of that is in you. You have unrestricted and full access to the nature of your maker and that nature is inside of you. Amen. amen. Now, when we accept Jesus, do we immediately become a different and totally changed person? No. We still have a lot of the characteristics of our old nature. We still carry a lot of the habits and the thought processes of our old nature. But what we are is we are charged to begin working towards becoming more and more like our creator, more and more like him. First John 2, 6 in the Message Bible says, anyone who claims to be intimate with God 
How many of you would describe your salvation as being intimate with God? I would. The Bible says that when I become saved, I become one with him. He's in me. I'm in him. I don't know how much more intimate you can get than that. Amen? So when I claim to be intimate with God, then I ought to live the same kind of life that he lives. 1 John 2, 6, what we gain access to is the ability to take on the characteristics, the personality, the traits, and the perceptions of our Heavenly Father. Galatians 2, 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So see, my old way of doing things, my old way of thinking dies. And I am left with the new abilities to think and act in a new way. To think and act in a new way. You see, we gain the full ability to become who who he is and to think like him. But this is a process and we must develop ourselves. John 3.30 says, he must increase and I must decrease. He must increase and I must decrease. I love how that verse reads in the Message Bible. It says, this is the assigned moment for him to move into the center while I slip to the sidelines. This is the moment for Jesus to move into the center of your being, to take over the fullness of you in the middle of you, and for you to step aside and be on the sidelines. Amen? So that is who we become. We must learn, we must grow, and then we must grow, and then we must learn, and then we must grow, and then we we must learn some more, amen? So more and more of that nature develops. More and more of who we are is taken over by Christ, and more and more of the old us steps to the side, amen? So we learn and we grow. Now remember, before we get into this study, remember that this is not something that is unachievable for you. You were created in his image. You have all of the capability, all of the ability, all of the likenesses of him. You were designed to live in this way. God created you with the intention of he composing all of you, of him being the center of who you are, amen? And what I love about these verses is that it tells me, it tells me, you know, remember we talked about this this weekend that the Bible is truth. God cannot lie. So what his word says is true. So if God says to let him take over who I am, if God says for, to allow him to increase and for me to decrease, then you can assume that you have the ability for that very thing to happen, amen? You can assume that you have the ability to step aside, amen, and to become more and more like him. The Bible says that you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. You can think like him. You can think the way he thinks. You can take on, like Isaiah talks, a higher level of thinking, amen? A higher thought process. But you must grow and develop and grow and develop and grow and develop and continue to learn, amen? Continue to learn. 
Now let's remember, I, I touched on this this weekend, it's not you over here and God over here anymore. It's you here and God here. You're one and the same. You've got to renew your mind to accept that idea, to believe that you and Jesus are one and the same, amen? That you function together. Why is this so important? Because as we begin to really try to think bigger, because I believe God thinks big, amen? As we begin to really try to think bigger and act bigger and take on the ways of our maker, sometimes our, our insecurities can get in the way. You see, that's where that whole works mindset comes into play. We begin to think, oh no, I can't do it because I'm here and God is over here and he's kind of looking at me and judging me or he's above me and I'm trying to get there but he's still judging me. That doesn't exist for you anymore, amen? God is here and you are here and there's no judgment, amen? All there is is the ability to do the very thing he said in his word that you could do, amen? So you are not below God. You are not below him. You are one and the same with him. But you have to allow him to begin to overtake you. You have to allow him to begin to become the center of who you are. You've got to learn to embrace more and more of the God kind of life, amen? More and more of the promise that God gave us in John 10.10. How do we do this? We have to make a conscious decision to change our thinking. We have to make a conscious decision to change our ways. Amen? Why? Because just because we accept Jesus doesn't mean that the devil is not going to try to keep us beaten down. It's not, he's not going to quit filling our mind with world-like thoughts. He's going to continue. But if we make the choice, if we become aware of the ability that is inside us, then we can change. Amen? I can't tell you how many times something has been placed in front of me that I have never done before in my life. I'm sure every person in here can relate. Or maybe you have a little, a little child. I see this with Emery all the time. There's things in front of her that I think she can't do that. And I'm sure she's thinking, I can't do that. It's not that she can't do it. It's that she's never done it before. And as soon as she sees how to do it, she can, amen? The ability is in her. The ability is in me. I've been put in front of situations of things I had no idea how to do, and I thought to myself, I can't do that. But you know what? I could do it. I had just never tried it. That is the same thing we're talking about tonight. You see, the ability is in you to think like your heavenly father thinks. The ability is in you to act like your heavenly father thinks, to rise to a higher level of thinking and a higher way of living, amen? But you have to make the decision to try. You have to make the conscious choice to say, I'm gonna go there. And what we're gonna talk about in this series is what is thinking like God? What are the ways of God so that we can get there, amen? So let's go back to our verse in Isaiah 55. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. 
For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So yesterday I spent some time studying out what do these words mean? And I'm talking about from the Bible dictionary. That word thoughts in this verse specifically comes from a verb which means to think. It refers to a purpose that is firmly fixed, not a fleeting idea. A purpose that is firmly fixed, not a fleeting idea. Well, the first thing that got my attention is that this word here, it's, you know, a lot of times we think of thoughts as a noun, right? I thought the thought that I didn't feel well. I thought the thought that I couldn't do something. We think of it as a noun, a thing. But in this context, when it refers to God, it is not a noun, it is a verb. And what is a verb? It is a word of action. Amen? So the the word thoughts there is is referring to a purpose that is firmly fixed. So when God thinks something towards you, it has purpose that is fixed. Think about that. It has a purpose that is fixed. How awesome is that? You know, I was meditating on that this morning and I was thinking about it and it's just, it's such a powerful revelation. For example, when God says, I died, I sent my son and he died on the cross for you so that you could be forever forgiven. When you accept me, I erase all of your sins. I erase them from my mind. When he says in Romans that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, then those thoughts that he's thinking towards you are firmly fixed. No matter what happens in the world, he has still forgiven you. There's still no condemnation, amen? There's power in that. When God says to you that everything you set your hand to do will prosper. He thought that towards you and it is a firmly fixed action coming into your life. There is nothing that can separate it. Amen? So God's thought towards you is an action. It is coming at you. It is not a fleeting idea. To me, that is what this verse means when he says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. A lot of my thoughts as a human are fleeting ideas. Amen? I deal with fleeting ideas all day long that come in and out of my mind. (laughs) In and out of my mind. But see, that's the difference in the way God thinks. His mind is so developed is so extensive and perfect that the fleeting ideas have ceased and the thoughts that he thinks are actions that have a purpose that are firmly fixed and they're coming towards you, amen? That's powerful, amen? You see, God's thinking is not like a man's thinking. A man's thinking can be temporal. It's full of temporary ideas or those fleeting ideas. God's thinking is always based in an eternal nature. In an eternal nature. 
We know what that word eternal means. It means that it goes on and on and on. We know that when the Bible talks about the eternal nature of our maker, it says that his nature is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That his words and his actions can never return void. That he will go on and on and on and he will outlast anything and everything. So see, his thoughts carry that same nature when that purpose becomes fixed to them. They cannot be changed. Amen? So, God's thoughts are verbs. They are action. They are firmly fixed. I imagine that his thoughts, by, by this description, we can see that his thoughts carry power. Amen? They carry power. They are active and they are alive. If you're taking notes, that word ways, where it says, so my ways are higher than your ways, that word ways in the Bible dictionary says a pa- means a path or a journey. It is a path that is traveled. It is often used in the Bible metaphorically to refer to the pathway of a person's life, suggesting that there is a pattern to a person's life. There is a pattern to a person's life. What is a pattern? A pattern is a distinctive style, model, or form. It is a combination of qualities, acts, or tendencies that form a consistent or characteristic arrangement. So we're not talking about the one time that you decided to order a hot tea instead of a coffee. We're talking about the coffee that you have five out of the seven days a week. That's a pattern. It's a characteristic, it's a coming together of an action that creates a common arrangement in your life. So the Bible tells us that the way, God's way suggests a way of life. God's way suggests a pattern of life. It suggests a group of characteristics, something that becomes consistent, that describes the pattern of our life. So what are the patterns of your life? You know, I really, really spent a lot of time thinking about this, and when I think about what this verse says, I I began to ask myself these questions. Maybe you'll ask yourself these questions. What are the ways of God? What are they? I think my initial thought process was God is loving and God does good things and he, he you know, the basics. He, he, he's not mean, he's not evil, he never messes up, he, he follows all the rules, that kind of stuff. But truly, what are the ways of God? What are the thoughts of God? You know, I know I need to be working to think like him and act like him. Why? Because my thoughts get translated into my ways. You see, there's a reason that God put these two together in this verse because our thoughts get translated into our ways. Our thoughts are directly linked to our ways. They have a connection. Why do you say that? Because in Proverbs 23, 7, it says, as a man thinks, so is he. As a man thinks, so is he. So my thoughts then dictate the patterns of my life. The thoughts then become directly connected to the pattern that develops in my life. 
So we see here that all of this is connected. My thoughts are connected to my ways. And my ways are connected to the pattern of my life. And the pattern of my life determines what my life becomes, amen? It determines what my life is. So I ask you tonight, what are the patterns of your life? What are the patterns of your life? How do you treat your kids? How do you deal with them? How do you treat your spouse? What is your attitude about your marriage? What is your attitude about the future of your relationships? Are you faithful? That's, that's a characteristic of the pattern of your life. Are you faithful? And I'm not just talking about in your relationship. You know, the Bible says if you're faithful in little, then you'll be made ruler over much. Why? Because the people that are faithful in little will be faithful in much. So are you faithful in every area of your life? What is your attitude about your job? Are you a hard worker? Are you responsible? Are you honest even when your boss isn't looking? Are you joyful about your work? You know, the Bible says to work and to do it with a joyful attitude, amen? Are you joyful? What are the expectations that you have for your family? What are the expectations that you have for your life? Why are you bringing that up? Because hear me now, a lot of times, I, we all know these people, hopefully none of you are like this, but we all know these people who have a thought process that tells them, well, it's always been this way in my family. My mom was this way, my dad was this way, my sister was this way, my grandmother was this way, my dad told me this is what I was going to be, so this is who I am. So see, those thought, process, thought processes which were connected to the actions or the ways that they chose created a pattern in their life and they accepted it. So they became that. So what is your attitude? What are your expectations? Do you keep repeating the same mistake? Do you keep doing the exact same action and expecting a different result? Do you keep making the same choices? Think about that stuff. As we move forward in this series, we're gonna talk about some of that. How, how things, a lot of times we believe that that's just the way it is. That's just the way it has to be. I don't believe that it has to be. What I believe that is, is that a pattern or a way that came from your thought process has become established in your life. But thank God that because you have the grand nature and the ability and power of your heavenly father, you can rip those patterns apart and you can change what your future says, amen? You see, to me, Isaiah 55 is telling, what it's telling me goes straight back to John 10.10. How do you draw that connection? Well, John 10.10 says that I have come that I, you might have the abundant life, amen? That you might live the God kind of life. Well, the God kind of life to me is not full of junky thoughts and bad patterns. The God kind of life is full of God-like thoughts and God-like patterns which create God-like results, amen? So our thoughts and our ways determine this. 
Remember, although you live in a temporary body and you have temporary experiences and you deal with temporary circumstances, you are not to take on the temporary thought process or the temporary reaction. You're to take on an eternal thought process and an eternal way which will develop an eternal pattern in your life. Amen? What happens when I have an eternal pattern in my life? Then I'm guaranteed, amen, an eternal future. Amen? Because of our Heavenly Father's eternal nature, His response and way of doing things is completely different than our natural approach. It's completely different. You see, He responds to us based on His nature, His will, and His character instead of responding to us based on circumstance or whatever has happened at hand. I want you to hear what I'm saying to you. Look, we go through life and all day, every day, we respond to people. We respond to things that we deal with. We respond to whatever is immediately in front of us. Well, listen to me. God's responses to you are predetermined. The purpose is already firmly fixed to them. He never responds to you based on what you have just done or not done or the circumstances of the world or any of that other stuff. It's already preset. So see, when we begin to develop in what Isaiah 55 is talking about, when we begin to take on his way of thinking and his way of being and his way of acting, then we're talking about living our life, responding based on the nature of God and not based on what happens to us in the world. Let me give you an example. When your child really, really screws up and you're in that moment, a lot of times it's our natural human reaction to respond to our child with anger or frustration or disappointment or whatever it may be. See, this is the difference. When you really, really screw up, your heavenly father sits in heaven and he looks at you exactly the same and keeps responding towards you exactly the same as before you really, really screwed up. There's no anger that comes towards you. There's no um, emotion that changes towards you. His love remains constant. His forgiveness remains constant. It all stays the same. So see, his responses, his way of doing things are not moved by circumstance. They're not moved by emotion. They're not moved by your action. They are moved by his nature. Amen? So when we think about changing our thoughts, when we think about changing our ways, when we think about patterning our life after our heavenly father, then we have to have an understanding that the things of the world, the things that we encounter every day, 
You know, the Bible says that we're in the world, but not of the world. Yes, we have to deal with it and address it, but they begin to take on less and less power, amen? They begin to have less and less effect on who we are because we begin to uh, respond to what we deal with and the life that we're living based on the promises of God's word and the nature that is in us instead of on the immediate circumstance and emotion, amen? God's responses, his thoughts, his actions, his will for us, it is all predetermined and it is all guaranteed, amen? So let's talk about God's thoughts. Tonight we're gonna touch on God's thoughts. Next week we'll move into his ways, but we're gonna start tonight with God's thoughts. What are they like? What are God's thoughts like? Remember, we're trying to change our thought process to be like God's thoughts. So what are God's thoughts like? Well, Psalms 40 verse five says, you have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and thoughts. So first we know that God's thoughts are wondrous. They're magnificent. Why am I bringing that up? Because when I get a mental picture of something that is wondrous or magnificent or fabulous or awe-striking, I don't imagine that those thoughts are evil or mean or full of bad stuff. So God's thoughts are wondrous. They're grand. They're over the top. They're big. God is not a small thinker, amen? They're big. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, thoughts to give you a hope and a future. Thoughts to give you a hope and a future. So when God is thinking thinking about you, his thoughts that are coming towards you, that have a purpose, that are firmly fixed, are thoughts of peace, they're not thoughts of evil, and they are thoughts to give you a hope and a future, amen? Thoughts to give you a hope and a future. I love that, that encourages me, because that means that no matter, remember, the physical, temporary things of the world that I'm dealing with, I can always remember that God's thoughts coming towards me are to take me out of the negative attack and to bring me out of it to a place of a hope and a future, amen? But listen to this. We quote that verse a lot, Jeremiah 29, 11. But if you keep reading verse 12 and 13, it says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So God says that not only is he thinking good things towards me, but when I call upon him, I will find him. When I seek him, he will be there. Amen? It, I love the, where it says in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, it says, and this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. So in both of these verses, first God tells us, you know, that he's thinking good things towards us, that he's 
thinking of our future, that he wants to give us a hope for a good future. And then he says, when you ask me, I will answer your request and I will give you the very thing you're asking me for. Why am I making that connection? This is how awesome God's thoughts are for your life. You see, God's thoughts line up with the desires of your heart. They line up. How incredible is that? You see, the Bible says clearly that he will give us the desires of our heart. He will answer our requests so what he thinks and what he wills towards us, the purpose that is driven towards us in his thought matches up with the desires that he places in our hearts. It matches up with the desires that he places in our hearts. You see, I believe that God thinks in yeses. He's not a God of slamming doors and telling you no and shutting possibilities and shooting your dreams down. He's a God of a hope and a future. He's a God who thinks in yeses. He's a God who looks at things and believes in the possibility, amen, not the impossibility. So the thoughts that are coming from God with a purpose that is firmly fixed towards you are yeses and amens and hopes and the desires of your heart and open doors, amen? One of the most famous chapters in the Bible that talks about the thoughts of God is Psalm 139. I encourage you to go home and read it. It's very long, we don't have time to read it tonight, but it describes a lot of who God, what God thinks about us and how he sees us. So I'm gonna kind of summarize it for you. In verse 17, uh, I'll read you a couple of my favorite verses out of it. In verse 17 it says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them? How vast is the sum of them? God is not just thinking, oh, there's Shannon, and she's up there, and I'm gonna believe she has a good night. No, how vast is the sum of them? He's thinking lots and lots and lots and lots of things about me, and because of his nature, all the things he's thinking about me are good. Amen? It says in 18, if I could count them, they are more than the sand. They are more than the sand. That's how many thoughts God is thinking towards you. Powerful thoughts of goodness, amen? What does this chapter say about God's thoughts? I'm gonna summarize it for you. It says God's thoughts are too numerous to list all of them. It says he created us in his innermost being, so he thought us first. He saw our unformed bodies in his mind. He thought who we were to be, and then he made us. It says that he envisioned my future. How can you say that? Because it says that all of the days of my life were ordained by him. They were written in his book of life before they ever came into being. So see, God is already envisioning your future. He's written the days of your future. And we know from Jeremiah that that future is a future of hope, amen? It's a good future. He knit me together in my mother's wombs. You see, he paid attention to the details. 
When God thought about you, he paid attention to the very being of you, to the details of you. It says he knows you. He knows every part of you. God, you, to God, you are not a stranger. He knows you. He knows the words that you're gonna speak before you speak them. It says that when he thinks about you that he gives you the protection of his divine hand. So God already thought provision and protection towards you. He cares about your safety. It says that there's no place you can't go where he won't be with you at all times. It says that he shines his light into your darkness. He shines his light into your darkness. Again, when God thinks about you, he thinks good and positive, not death and darkness, amen? He's thinking light. It says his thoughts towards you are precious. What does that word precious mean? It means of high price or value of high price or value. God is not thinking silly, not important things towards you. What he's thinking towards you are of high price and value. We know the price he paid, amen? He paid it on the cross for you so that he could give you this very hope and future that he describes. It says in, that, in Psalm 139 that he thinks love towards us. He thinks love towards us. To me, that's the most powerful thought of all, of all because when you study out the power and the extravagance of God's love in the Bible, there is absolutely nothing that can overtake that love. So when he thinks towards me, when that purpose with, that is firmly fixed is coming towards me and it is God's love, then I know that God's thoughts toward me are enough to help me overcome, amen? God's thoughts are thoughts of goodness, and not just a little bit of goodness, but a lot of goodness, too much goodness to count. They're positive, God's thoughts are positive, they're purpose-driven, God's thoughts are forward-moving. The future is forward, amen? God's thoughts are forward-moving, God's thoughts are not looking back. So when the devil comes into your mind and he tries to remind you of your past, you can be sure that those are not God's thoughts. That's not God's way of thinking, amen? God is looking forward towards the future. His thoughts are forward moving. One more verse, Philippians 4, 8, if you're taking notes. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. Look, when I study through the Bible, to me, this becomes the benchmark for the way God thinks. He's telling me, think this way. He lays it out there for me. He says, think what is true, think what is honorable, think what is just, think what is pure, think what is lovely, think what is commendable, think on things that have excellence, and think on things that are worthy of praise. 
So see, I believe that that verse describes the way God thinks. That describes the way he thinks. So I spend some time studying out what do those mean. In that verse, the word true means that it is being in accordance with the actual state or condition, not false, real. It means genuine and authentic. You see, the Bible dictionary says that that word true means not concealing. God's thoughts are not hidden. They are made clear to us in the word. He lays them out there for us. He tells us who he is and what he thinks towards us. He describes that in the promises that are in his word because remember his thoughts then dictate his ways. So when we study his promises, we can see the true thoughts of God. They are not hidden. They are made real. So we think on the things that are in the word that are real. We think on the things that are lasting. I believe that what it means when it says to think on things that are true, that are of the actual state or condition, I believe that God is telling us to think on the eternal, not on the things of the world which are temporary, amen? The word honorable. The Bible dictionary says that those are things that are grave, honest, gravely honest. Well, what do we know that is 100% honest? It's God's word, amen? Again, it's God's word, amen? So we think on things that are truly honest, that are upright, that are of high rank, that carry dignity and distinction, that are noble. The word just there means just and right. Just and right. So we're to think just thoughts. We're to think right thoughts. We serve a just God, amen? We serve a righteous God, amen? We don't serve a God who is inconsistent, who is unfair, who bounces all over the place. We serve a God who is just and right. So when he says to think on things that are just, he's saying to think on things that are fair and right. Amen? Things that line up with our righteousness. It says to think on things that are pure. I love this definition. It says, free from anything of a different, inferior, or a contaminating kind, unmodified by any form of admixture. Unmodified. What does that mean to me? That means to me, to think the way God thinks is to think purely based on what we know is the pure truth of this world, not based on our emotions, our circumstances being added to the situation, amen? So we're not allowing things to come in and taint our thought process. What taints our thought process? The things that we're constantly reacting to in the natural world. He's telling you to think on things that are pure, 
not tainted by your emotion. Why is that so important? Because when my physical body tells me I can't do that or I don't feel well or I can't, you know, something is wrong, instead of focusing and reacting to the symptoms and the physical things that I'm feeling, God is telling me to think on the pure, untainted truth of his word, which says that I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus and none of those circumstances are real, they're temporary, amen? So he says don't have a tainted thought process where other things come in and add to it. Think on pure things that have not been added to. Think on things that are lovely. The Bible definition of lovely is to think on things that are acceptable. Think on things that are acceptable. Well, that gets real easy for me. Being broke is not acceptable. Being sick is not acceptable. Having an ugly marriage is not acceptable. Having messed up children is not acceptable. Feeling tired and weak is not acceptable. Being depressed and feeling like my mind is out of control is not acceptable. So when the Bible tells me to think on things that are lovely, then I need to think my marriage is good, my finances are good, my health is is well, my children are awesome, they have a great future, they're going to be exactly who God created them to be. Amen? My mind is sound, it is not crazy and chaotic, it is sound, it is full of peace, it functions the way God designed it to be because I have the mind of Christ, amen? We're almost done, last two. It says to think on things that are commendable, worthy of praise, well spoken of, of good report of good report. To me, that ties right back to lovely. Things that are of good report are acceptable, amen? And finally, things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Excellent and worthy of praise. Intrinsic or attributed praise or virtue. Worthy of praise means the act of expressing approval or admiration, commendation, a commendable thing. So what we think on should be acceptable and something that can be commended. Amen? Something that deserves honor and and for us to look up to and esteem and commend and be proud of. Amen? Amen. Did you learn some things tonight? Next week, we're going to begin talking about God's ways in detail. I encourage you to be here. Um, Before anybody leaves, with every head bowed and every eye closed, as I began to talk about this message, I described to you having access to the nature of God and how important that was and how it was available to you. How do you gain that? You gain that by accepting Jesus into your life. You see, Jesus came to earth. He died on the cross. He did that so that you could be one with him, so that you could live for an eternity with him. When he did it, he literally became the 100% exchange for your sins 
exchange for your sicknesses and diseases. He took all of the bad stuff on him for you so that you could just live in love and forgiveness and experience an eternity with your heavenly father. Look, if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, hear what I'm saying to you now. Jesus adores you. He loves you. He gave his life for you. And when he did that, his love was so powerful that it was bigger than anything you could have ever done, any mistake you could have ever made. He looks at you and all he sees is goodness. He is not disappointed in you. He wants to have a real relationship with you, to walk through life with you so that you can experience not only an eternity with him, but the God kind of life here on earth. If you came here tonight and you've never made Jesus as the Lord of your life, then you need to know him. Your eternity hangs in the balance. If that's you, I want to pray with you with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you would say, Shannon, I need to know Jesus. I'm not sure that I have a real relationship with him. Would you just slip your hand up in the air with nobody looking around so that I can pray with you? I see those hands. Maybe you came here tonight and at one point you walked with Jesus. But somehow you got off track. Something happened in your life that took you away from him. And you know you need to come back to him. Well, he still loves you and he's ready to take you back. So if you're here tonight and you need to recommit your life to Jesus, then this is your moment. Just slip your hand up in the air with nobody looking around so that I can pray with you. I see those hands. Would everyone here pray with me right now? Jesus, come into my life. I submit all that I am to you. Be on the throne of my heart from this day forward and all throughout eternity. I will walk with you. Thank you for forgiving me. I give you all of my sins and I accept your amazing grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information on teaching materials or questions about our church, please visit us at alfc.com or charlesneeman.com.